Welcome to the Volpreneur Podcast channel. My very special guest today is Julian Sicard, who is an entrepreneur based in Shanghai and CEO of the digital agency Genius Excel. He helps Fortune 500 companies generate leads on through LinkedIn. As co-president of the LinkedIn Local Asia, Julian has created a network of communities made up of LinkedIn lovers, embracing the original idea of LinkedIn Local, getting to know the person behind the profile. His Shanghai community has more than 3,000 members, making one of the most professional and active networks in China. Welcome, Julian, to the show. Thank you, John, for having me. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You all think things going well, uh, and all things been equal. <laughs> so, um, we spoke to uh, somebody from the other company about a week ago or so, but today, one of the things she said was that we would talk about processes and systems and stuff like that. So, And we said, well, that was a good idea because I quite like that. So <laughs> that's why we're on today is really want to sort of talk a little bit about um, how we can automate things, how you can get process-driven businesses and that kind of success level that, that obviously is give you some sort of scalability. So that's kind of what we're, we're working, talking about today. Um, but give me a little bit of background about you first. Let's, let's talk about where, where you came from and what, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, thanks for asking. So, yeah, you might guess, but I'm from France because of my accent. You can guess that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and uh, so once upon a time after I graduate, uh, I was supposed to work in diplomacy. And I just figured out uh, after an internship at the French embassy in China that um, the, the way I could make an impact really in this world couldn't be really through the politics. So that's why um, after graduate, I um, directed myself through entrepreneurship. Um, it was a very hard time because, of course, um, I was uh, with thousands of dollars in debt uh, because, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're a student, yeah, you have to contract uh, debt. That's mm. uh, generally like that. Uh, well, I tried to launch a first startup. I would be honest with you, John. I wasn't really successful. I was helping at the time my first startup, um, a Korean and Chinese students I want to apply uh, for the best French business school. But of course, students don't really have money. And then uh, I knew how to develop a website, WordPress, uh, through WordPress. And I met uh, my first mentor, actually, who was the former CEO of Hyundai. And because of him and uh, his teaching, I really succeed uh, to, again, go over these different challenges and because of LinkedIn, I found in three months clients, enough clients to pay off my debt. And I really begin, okay, to have less fear because, yeah, of course, in entrepreneurship, if you are driven by fear, and plus in France, what is difficult, it's um, mentally, okay, they, they judge you on your age. But because of the mentorship and, uh, that I had at the time, it really allowed me to, to grow super, super fast. And also because of that first uh, company that I created, this desire to come back in, in China was really, really strong. And yeah, uh, I came back in, in Shanghai, in China, um, four years ago. And uh, at the beginning, yeah, I was, you know, learning again Chinese to readapt myself. I was thinking that's a sign of respect. That's normal. I mean, you are a foreigner, so you need to master a minimum of the language. And... Yeah, uh, trying uh, different projects here and there, still continuing freelancing, and I see the opportunity 
with LinkedIn, it was more than 10 years. I had kind of significant success with my personal story through this platform because I understood the evolution also of this platform. And yeah, right now we are uh, running the number one LinkedIn marketing agency in the world. And uh, as you mentioned, we work mainly with Fortune 500 and we help them to get uh, new clients through LinkedIn. And it makes sense because according to the situation we are living right now, uh, that's a new environment. We are living in a digital renaissance. And through this renaissance and this new environment, we have to learn to rebuild the trust for making business. And it's gonna be mainly online. And LinkedIn, I strongly believe, can contribute to rebuild this trust for the globalization. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, and I think sometimes, you know, like COVID and stuff like that, you look at it and think it's a bad thing, but in some cases it's a good thing because it's pushed, yeah. certainly pushed the technology forward. And I mean, coming back to that kind of concept of, you know, you're probably not old enough to even remember yellow pages now, but when, when, when I was in business, I've been in business like 30 years and what would happen is if you had a, a, a like a new client or a new contact, the, the best you could do to find out about them was go to the yellow pages and look them up and see what sort of ads they had, what size ad they had, and all that sort of stuff. And maybe you could find out a little bit of information about them if you asked someone, but that was about it. So the reality was you're going in blind. So it's quite funny when people kind of say, oh, you know, I met someone online and I don't know who they are and stuff like that. So the, the ability to find information about people nowadays is so much better. better. And obviously yeah. LinkedIn is, a, is a, a really great way to do that. Um, and I think that's the thing is that trust level you know, it took a while to sort of come around, but the reality was the information there is far more, you know, comprehensive than, than anywhere else. Um, yeah. And they're going in with the mindset, aren't they? They're going in the mindset of that it's a business or it's they're looking for a job. So they're going to put a lot more detail in it than they would be, say, on a Facebook profile that could quite easily be fake. <laughs> um, uh, so I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what, what makes LinkedIn specific compared to the, uh, to the other social network? And it's not for blaming the other because each social media platform, if, if you take the example 10 years ago, you did, didn't have such of diversification. Mm. It was Facebook mainly. Right now you have Instagram, now you have TikTok, now you have uh, LinkedIn. The things that really change uh, in a decade, if I can say, it's really the audience. The audience in LinkedIn is definitely uh, not like the other social media platform. You really have a decision maker. And as I mentioned, uh, at the time I was 21 years old and because of LinkedIn I met my first mentor who was the CEO of Hyundai there is no more hierarchy you, I mean you can reach out directly there is no more like 20 or 30 years ago mm -hmm. that you had a call with uh, uh, the secretary before to access to the, um, to the decision maker no with LinkedIn you can reach out uh, directly to them and I think that's, uh, that's an incredible opportunity uh, I was aware of that, and uh, yeah, I encourage people to be more aware, aware of it. And again, it's all about of you, uh, the way you brand yourself. It's all about the words you use mm. to again enter in contact with people. That's the main point. Um, because at the end of the day, there is no miracle. LinkedIn just remains a tool, and like any tools, you need to know how it works. That's simple. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, I think, if, you know, looking back, sticking your head in the sand and saying, oh, well, let's not, you know, I'll just ignore it, it might go away. It's not going to work that way anymore. Like, unfortunately, with technology and the way that, um, you know, people rapidly grow, you, you've got to be sort of ahead of the game in that respect. And it's interesting, some of the, you know, some people really adopted LinkedIn and you've got some, some pretty large kind of, you know, like I think Richard Branson's probably one of the, you know, the LinkedIn stars as, soon as, as far as LinkedIn's concerned. So it shows, you know, how that sort of stuff works. And I think with the whole COVID thing was interesting too. A lot of the actors and, and personalities and celebrities have sort of come out of the woodwork and become far more active on social media than they were before. And you're actually one-on-one kind of seeing them when before they were pretty much hiding behind someone else. So I think it's becoming yeah. a much more a natural kind of approach. You're actually seeing people in their own environment rather than, you know, some sort of fake sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's switch tangents a little bit and talk about processes because um, I think one of your, your things is in the process I trust, right? So mm. tell me a little bit about what, you, what that sort of means. Again, um, the idea is to be efficient. Uh, from my experience in entrepreneurship, a lot of people play around mm. because they are not organized. They don't have discipline. And again, to simplify, because the only value that uh, cannot be refunded, it's the time. Mm. Processes, when you put the processes in place, it allows you to protect your time, which I think is very important um, as a CEO. But whatever, we're going to see that later. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can apply also for your personal life. And uh, the processes allow you to select what is the best. So meaning you're going to recruit. You don't want the low performer. For me in life uh, or uh, in business, or you are good or you are bad. Uh, The compromise doesn't exist. You need to be radical because your objective, of course, is to, to evolve. And for the clients, that's the same. You don't want to have like... uh, picky clients. I mean, like if you give them a structure and if they follow your structure, your process, then everything's going to be all right. You're going to waste your, uh, your time. You won't waste your time in customer service in a, in a way that will be totally useless. That's why the, the process is very important. So maybe let's begin with um, personal life. Mm-hmm. How you can apply a simple process in uh, personal life. So um, it was three weeks ago. Um, I called with Tamar. I think you had uh, you had my business partner. Yeah, yeah. On your yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had fun. <laughs> we had to stop it after what we went over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm so lazy to cook. Seriously, like I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Then she was like, you know what? Uh, Getting good food, well, uh, that, that's part of the mindset. You need to, to again, get um, uh, good food. So I was like, okay, so what can I do? Because, I mean, like, a- every time I know cooking, seriously, that's a waste of time. Here is my process. You're going to buy six Tupperware, you know, uh, in the supermarkets, and you're going to cook all your plates for the week, mm-hmm. and you're going to put that in the freezer. Total time, one hour and a half, six plates, put in the freezer. I don't need to cook uh, anymore at noon. I just need to, uh, again, put that in the microwave 
three minutes and that's good. My food is ready. It's simple. I save time, I save money. Mm. So that's just one example um, f- uh, for, for the personal life. But let's go back because I think, yeah, um, in your audience, you have a lot of business owners. How could we apply that into a business? Let's begin with the recruitment. Uh, we used to, to take a lot of people that actually were not qualified for uh, the, the position we wanted to offer in our company. So every time you waste 30 minutes there to interview a candidate, 30 minutes there again. So if you combine, that's a lot of hours. So our step is very simple uh, for, for the process of recruitment. First, of course, you target in different uh, websites where, where to recruit this talent. Then when you, when you see, okay, they, they apply to your job, you're going to send a type form. Type form is really amazing. So it allows you to create form. And uh, I ask all the kind of questions. And like that, I can see, okay, if that person really qualifies. For instance, if it's a full-time position, and I ask, are you available for a full-time position? Uh, and if it's uh, no, I, I'm going to put in red. It won't go on to, uh, into the next step. So I ask 20 questions like that. Automatically with an automation. So that's where the automation, the, the, uh, there is automation with Zapier. Zapier allows you, you can check it out. It's wonderful. It allows you to connect, for example, one application like uh, Typeform when they complete the form and automatically it will generate for you a Google Sheet. So that's the same, like um, if you have podcast guests, they could do exactly the same, like that you have an overview of everything. So at the end of the 20 case question, uh, we check it out, okay, once in a week, okay, let's review the different applicants. And then in the process, they can enter to step number two, which is, okay, you are invited for a 30 minutes interview. The message is already ready on Evernote, already scripted, copy paste, send to the applicant. Then they have access to our booking calendar. Why? Because it's integrated with our Google calendar, meaning people have to submit to our agenda. Meaning we don't waste time, because you, you every time you know waste time, uh, for okay, what time will be the most convenient? And all this communication, it's a waste of energy and it's a waste of time. So in the step number two, they click on the booking calendar. Automatically, they receive an invitation on Zoom. That's the new normal. That's the way we do uh, mm-hmm. meeting. And after that, okay, we see they, they qualify. They have two tests to, to give in less than 24 hours. Very practical tests to see if they have the minimum of skills. And after we end with a final interview, and if it fits, they are uh, higher in our company. Does that make sense, John? It does. It's interesting where you, like that whole process is kind of what I do anyway with with a lot of things we do. Like, and I think the biggest thing that you could implement right now in any business is is an is an online calendar. And I don't see a lot of it to be honest. Like you see the people I sort of deal in the industry, but a lot of people don't do it. And people say, oh, "What time have you got free?" And I don't know. <laughs> like you have to go yeah. check it out and 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 make the appointment. And, and at the same time, it's automatically putting in Zoom, so it's setting the thing up. 
And then, um, like I use Schedule Once, for example, and a lot of the others do it too, is that, and you would have got the same thing, you'd start getting reminders about the appointment beforehand. That's all little steps of automation that you don't have to worry about because that's that's prompting people to show up. So the show up rate is so much better. I I rarely get anybody who doesn't show up. If they don't show up, they they tell you at least an hour out they can't come. So at least then you know you've got a bit more planning, whereas the other way around is you just hopefully they're going to pitch up on the time and they're going to remember um, in that situation. So certainly um, worth doing. I think one of the things that I, you know, when I'm in recruitment mode, for example, which I'm in at the moment because we're recruiting some programmers, and what I notice is the most interesting thing about recruiting people online, and this responds to the same thing that used to work when I, when I was running the Sage accounting business with my, with my staff. And we'd have a situation that said, I send you an email and you don't respond to me. I assume you don't work for me anymore. That's the comment I used to make. So because what would happen is that, and particularly the younger generation in that point situation, it's almost thought they thought an email wasn't that important. So if the boss emailed you and asked you to do something, then three days later you go and say, have you got my email? Have you done anything? Oh, I'll do it now. And I used to say, well, okay, then if you don't respond to my email, I assume you don't work for me anymore. And that yeah. stopped that whole scenario of people not responding to things. But at the same time, I do it when I'm employing people too. So when I'm using you know online tools like Upwork or any of those other ones, I test them by sending them a message to see how long it takes them to come back to me. Yeah. They're very slow at coming back to you. So whatever people do in the best environment is going to be at least cl- closer to what they're going to do in a real environment, right? And so what I notice in the lot of scenarios is that you, I've probably got 30 or 40 people sitting there for that developer's job. Probably 20, 30% of them never responded to the first message. So, you know, you know I mean, straight away you can get rid of them because they're not going to respond to you now. They're going to respond to you when they work for you. Right? Yeah. And, and so little things like that, kind of those little tests, and like you said, if, if they fill out that form, if they go to the next step, if they follow the process, then you know they'll follow your procedures. If they buck the system and they try to get around it and start doing things, you know that that's the sort of person they are. So just by looking at automation, in my opinion... Yeah, correct, because yeah. Uh, then you, you can come back to them and ask different questions. It's not necessary. Let's say if it's for a video content manager, someone that will create the, the video for you, my kind of question is, okay, what are your inspiration? Okay, what are your top three uh, YouTube channel? Mm. I need to see if, it, if the style um, can fit from his inspiration to, 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 to my company branding. Uh, that's something. But more than that, I have this kind of question. What are your core values in life? Uh, at our company, it's pretty clear. It's respect and integrity. Mm. We don't bullshit. We, we are cool. But we deliver what we say. And respect, there is a hierarchy. You have to call me sir. That's like that. And because that works, uh, that's the way it works uh, like that inside uh, the, the, the company. Because that, from what we found out, that's the way you, you can have, especially when you work remotely, people, uh, this kind of accountability, which, which is hard. Working remotely is not for everyone. Mm. You need to really have a strong mindset. It's not true. It's not about, okay, wow, that's going to be cool. I'm a digital nomad. No, that's not like that. You have a certain time to a certain time to communicate uh, with the team. Uh, and, and that's the thing. And, uh, and I think, yeah, people, some people getting wrong about, you know, 
okay, it's cool to work remotely. Yeah, of course it, mm. it's cool, but it's not for everyone. And, and, and that's why uh, on our level, because we are 10 people in total in my agency, uh, it's easy to manage, but in a, in a big corporation, I, I cannot even imagine to create, you know, this kind of new processes or digital environment. It's really, really, really hard. So talking about automation and, uh, and how to create the accountability uh, with the employee, that's very interesting. So like five months ago, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Discord. It's yeah, a server. yeah, I don't use it much, but yeah. I uses it more than I do, I think. <laughs> yeah. So talking about automation, that's something that really, really works. It's about, okay, you create uh, literally all your environments on Discord and you put automation, uh, again, a Zapier between the Google Calendar. So you create in advance the, the calendar of your employee or they, they can remanage. And automatically, our power, there is a bot telling, okay, Eric, you have to do this task. And then how I control, they have a dedicated channel per employee and they need to, okay, check the green emoji to say, okay, I have completed the task. Like that, I minimize the communication and I know what, uh, what has been done. So that's again, how do you create the framework? How do you create more automation? Uh, and how you implement uh, for your own company? And then the main challenge, uh, because first you need to determine what are the objectives and how you can save time and how you can uh, create a kind of gamification. Uh, the Discord is very nice. For example, one of our way actually to attract new leads is through the webinar. Uh, I have a background uh, as a professor of entrepreneurship. Um, I definitely believe in 2020, if you want to demonstrate your expertise and your credibility, first you need to educate people mm -hmm. about what you know. And there is this kind of gamification, you know, between the employee. Okay, you, you're going to manage the webinar of the CEO and you're going to manage uh, my webinar. And that's so cool because every time we have a registrant, we are a kind of very cool gift saying like, okay, wow, you rock. You bring <laughs> one new registrant to the company, like, uh, you know, with DigiCalad saying like uh, another one. Mm. That's pretty cool, you know. So I really think like it, it's highly possible with all these processes. We can also make it more fun um, and create this, this nice competition, you know, be, between the employees to again achieve, achieve the, the, the result. But yeah, people need to be aware of that. Okay, okay, for the processes and how to implement into an organization for the purpose to save your KPI, your objectives. Mm. And I think the danger is nowadays too is that because everybody's, a lot of people working from home, it's harder to sort of figure out what's going on. I mean, when I first, I don't really do it anymore, but when I first started, and I guess it was a little bit of a trust level on are they actually doing any work <laughs> um, yeah. out there and you know what they're getting done. And there's, there's apps that we used to use and it's still around that actually take screenshots every 10 minutes of their, of their desktop and tracks their keystroke movements. So at the end of the day, you can say that someone's, how active they are. And we, we sort of ended up with figures about, you know, that, you know, like a web designer might be 60% active or something like that because they were thinking. 
so and the developer might be lower again. So it wasn't a case of looking at someone going, oh, well, hang on a minute, they're not that active on the screen. Well, the reality is, is that they are going to do a lot of thinking, so there's a lot of time in between. But having that benchmark to see, well, what's the level of activity on the company and be able to see across it, um, I think is the sort of thing that you can do to make things easier for you on yourself on that trust level because if you don't know if they're not working. And, of course, the theory is that if you've got 20 staff sitting out there and you know that you can see, you can actually tell if they're working or not. And, I mean, I used to have a part, business partner that had a scenario where what he would do is he'd put the desks all around him in a square so basically he'd see them all, see their screens <laughs> to see if they were working or not. And I reckon they still didn't get any work. You know, people wouldn't get work done because, you know, it doesn't mean that you look, because you can't look at them all the time. You can't be constantly watching them. And I think but it's again, the responsibility, I think, to say here is the objective no matter what, mm -hmm. and you check in regularly. One advantage actually to working online, John, it's really like, okay, I check regularly, it's 10 minutes, there is no bullshit, we go straight to the point, you better prepare in advance the meeting. Okay, show me what you did. Okay, you're gonna do this, 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 and that. We have the recording. Okay, you're a smart boy, you're gonna figure it out. You're gonna, all my steps, you're gonna press, okay, stop, and you're gonna do, you're gonna do step number one. Mm. And then you replace the video, step number two. Because the thing is, okay, when we were offline, you know, you have this kind of uh, meetings that actually not everyone needs to really attend. That's uh, actually not optimizing the time. That's bullshit, I think. And um, uh, at least, you know, uh, that's not possible. You cannot press there and, uh, okay, in your eyes, uh, you, you, you can make a replay of everything. There, there is every time, I um, have to say, like we, we forgot a lot of information because in this kind of meeting, there is too much information. Mm -hmm. Even if you take notes, you won't understand, enfin, you won't recall everything. So the thing is, like when you have a cloud recording, especially on Zoom, and when you, t you take, okay, uh, I don't know, like your, um, like, okay, your um, graphic designer team, etc., etc., they can press the button replay. And, and I think in a way, if the process is really well optimized, you, you can again uh, get a better return uh, of return invest, uh, of investment, you know, on, on, on what you do and on what you explain. So I think the the the, the approach needs to be different. It needs to to be a readaptation, getting in shorter meeting with mm -hmm. some uh, some uh, division of your company, and uh, again sending them back the replay and be clear on the expectations that you are waiting with them. Yeah, and I think that's the danger is that, you know, you, if you can't see them, you, you know, you've got to be able to set systems and processes to make sure, number one, they don't end up wasting a lot of time on things. And so I think one of the things that I always have a lot of people say to me is, oh, well, when I'm bigger, I'll write procedures and systems and processes and, and we'll do it when we're bigger. But the reality is if you wait too long, you'll never be able to do it. And so, you know, trying those little tiny things along the way, like, you know, keep on adding to a recruitment program. We used to have a checklist when we took someone on afterwards, you know, what we had to do with them when they actually started with us. And we just kept on adding to that checklist. So nothing's built in a day. Like, I, I think that's the danger a lot of people get into thinking about business systems and processes is they can't, they, they can't sit out to two months and write all this stuff, right? And I think the danger is that you don't need that. You just keep on building on it, keep on adding to it, keep on refining it. And it could take a year or longer, but don't just wait until you think you're too big, you're big enough to actually do it, because that's the danger. Is and it's too late. No one will take it, take responsibility, and no one. And the hard part is getting staff to document their processes, 
that's the hard part I always always have trouble with is that I'll kind of do a video with them and say, okay, I want you to write back to me in in, in your process and show me if you learnt what we talked about, so we can actually write this down and and make it a standard process. And I think that's the the discipline if you can do it is to keep on documenting, keep on writing things up. So one of the interesting things with the platform we're, that we're writing was this whole concept of of this tech stack, of having all these different technologies around what you're doing. And with with the Evolpreneur platform, what we actually did is, and you would have experienced when you through the guest guesting process, is that's all built in. So what happens is the questions are all built into the into the platform. And what we do with a client is that we'll actually create a, a course, if you like, for the for the client's process. And get them to answer the questions, and maybe watch a video, and do that kind of thing in that process to actually speed up the the final result without without us being involved. So normally, what would happen if we're talking about a client, we might we need to do a spec up or what they need to do. We yeah. would spend maybe one or two meetings, three meetings, getting through that, right? And the reality is, we probably didn't even have to be there, right? Because <laughs> they spent most of the time talking anyway, right? Because they always do. So having that sort of thing in advance, we get them to kind of basically do their homework in their own time. And as they do stuff, then we respond back from that point. And I think that's the, yeah. the sort of way that I found that scalable. Like before, if we had to take someone on and we had to do one-on-one calls with them, you know, for the whole process then we can't scale. And I think that's the yeah. next kind of thing with automation. If you don't automate things and, and, and have things that actually can be re- repeated time and time again, your business will never grow because you won't be able to. You'll suddenly get 100 new customers and you'll lose 90 of them because they'll be unhappy. Um, yeah. done right, you know, their processes aren't built for it. It's, it's more you know, bespoke. And I think that's the difference between a, a small business that will never be much bigger than that because it's more consulting boutique based to a business can actually grow and and um, and really in the end take you out of the, sh- the picture like you don't have to be the person controlling it every day yeah definitely. so um, where do you where do you see um, business going in the future because I, I don't think you know post COVID, post this whole thing is you won't see a return necessarily to the old ways of doing it. But I'll give you, give you a good example of what might happen too, though. Like, for example, in Australia, they decided to open up the border. So each state in Australia, bizarrely, was closed down. The borders were closed down, so you couldn't move between each state. And they decided to open the states up. And South Australia and New South Wales were opened up yesterday. And so um, one of the, um, uh, com- the flight companies decided to have a $59 special. They sold out within a matter of hours. So all these people suddenly going from New South Wales to South Australia, thousands and thousands of people, right? And so it's yeah. almost like they were just waiting to get out, right? Probably going to South Australia, for example, for no good reason but to get on the plane and fly there. In fact, Qantas even had a, a flight where you could actually go nowhere. So it's a seven-hour flight to nowhere. So you get on the plane and they just come out, they go a whole full circle and come back and land back in the same place. And they sold out within a matter of hours. So do you see human nature sticking with automation sticking with the online side of things do you think they'll probably drop back to their old ways as soon as they can i will tell you what's going to happen exactly john and i hope the people that are gonna see this interview are gonna remember we are right now september 24 uh, 2020 so what's going to happen is actually pretty simple only the strongest will survive in one month, we're going to have a financial crisis, meaning a lot of business is going to disappear. I think people are not aware, and there's going to be extremely violence. 
extremely violent because uh, there is no way we're going to get back to what we used to know. It's going to change and it's going to change for forever. Like what happened after, um, uh, okay, the destruction of the, uh, the Twin Towers in 2001. So the way to take plane changed mm. for forever. And I think, yeah, that's for the best. A lot of businesses will disappear. A lot of people will be with unemployment. Same with real estate. A lot of companies won't take any more offices. They're going to try to limit all the risk and they will be more and more digital. That's it. Mm. Uh, for the ones that uh, will still have, quote unquote, uh, the chance to get a job, um, yeah, they will, have, they will work from home. Uh, there's going to be the new reality. And for the rest, the ones that will try to survive, well, there's going to be a world with more freelancers. There's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, okay, the worst is coming, is what I say. You better have a plan. But a lot of, uh, a lot of people are, unfortunately, totally unaware. Um, I can see what's going on because... Uh, in China, things are going faster. Mm. A lot of people did not take me very seriously, like, okay, the impact is going to, to be huge. In China, you know, it's easy. Uh, it's a propaganda thing. So they keep, you know, building the tower to, again, rebuild the trust with the local population. Yeah, everything uh, is going to be all right. See, China is strong. <laughs> this kind of thing. Uh, no, the thing is, USA is fucked up, and there's going to be the same like uh, for uh, Europe. And uh, what I can say, yes, it's going to have some changes of political regime. And the first country actually to fall down from democracy to a dictature is going to be Brazil. Mm. They're going to go to a, milita- to a military dictature, that's for sure, because while well, the government has been always corrupted and uh, incompetent. So it's going to be like that. Um, people are scared all over the world. Well, in China, uh, we are really in a bubble, is what I can say. There is a trust. So China is going to be a nice recession. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine because, uh, anyways, uh, the government is pretty well uh, prepared and plus because of all the information so well controlled. So that's why people are I'm believing, okay, everything is all right and uh, the rest of the world isn't fine. Mm. So, yeah, for the companies that will have the chance to survive, well, uh, the employee will stay remotely. For the rest, uh, you better to come up with a plan uh, and, okay, uh, try to figure out how you can be an entrepreneur because being a freelancer, well, you need to fund your own claims. And for the company, of course, there's going to be uh, more fiscal, uh, from a fiscal point of view, advantages. Because, yeah, there's going to be like external from the company. The cost will decrease um, because, of course, people are going to be driven by fear. So meaning like, okay, they will accept any kind of job for any kind of price. Mm. So as a business owner, I'm telling you, yeah, the crises are big opportunities. That's the game. People don't want to play the same rule of the game. And yeah, you can have a pretty incredible talent for a cheap price right now. So yeah, this may be the, if you really want to build a business, that's right now is not, uh, it's not in one year. 
it's not in one year because um yeah it's pretty incredible so yeah you know it's not that i'm very optimist or pessimist it just it's gonna be the the way like that mm. um again I I the challenge the challenge you've got is that you know people thinking that things are going to go back to normal you know yeah. that normal is not doesn't exist anymore and and i think it's it's up to small business to try and figure out a way out of it like they always do right and I think the, you see this pivoting process where a lot of them will pivot from one sort of angle to another. And I think that's really the key to it is that, but to be able to pivot, you know, to me, you've got to have good processes <laughs> because if yeah. you don't have a good system in place and it's like a lot of times when I go to sort of start a new business or whatever, I, look, I think, well, I can do the same process that I did the last time. And if I just follow the same system, then I can start quickly. And I think that's the, the trick is that it, if you've got to do a lot of rework every time you want to pivot or you want to change the way, you, you know, products you sell and stuff, that's a hard process to do and that stuffs you up pretty quickly. If you can't, you know, it takes too much time and you miss out on your opportunity or it just costs too much to do. And I think that whole um, business structure and the way you do it, if you don't document that and you don't sort of build that as part of your process, I mean, no different, my hiring processes when I was selling accounting software 15, 10, 15 years ago is the same hiring process that I use today. So it hasn't changed. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's just a, the, the scenery might change, but their actual process doesn't. And I think it comes down to that, um, you know, building that over time and building it up as an asset in your business is far more valuable than anything else, I reckon. Yeah. But, but what changed, it's also right now it's going faster uh everything is going faster so if you don't have uh, the capacity to to, to readapt mm. you die the, the foreign entrepreneurs here it was very simple from the beginning of the crazies holy shit you are just like that right <laughs> yeah. You're like okay I think the world's well, ending we... at the end of the day don't you <laughs> <laughs> because you know at the beginning uh well the story was supposed to be only china mm. and then okay, you, you see this massive exodus of foreigners and a lot of uh, companies that were ruled mm. um, uh, by foreigners depend really a lot of uh, this expat community itself in Shanghai from mm. when I analyze. But I'm telling you here, the entrepreneurs in Shanghai, that's why I really think that's the best city for entrepreneurship. They have a such strong mindset. Three days, okay, you are a little bit in depression. Three days, okay, I'm going to create a plan. I need to pivot to the local market. How am I going to do that? Mm. Brainstorm, creation of the plan, the week after, seven days after, execution. And there is no way, like, uh, in the West, um, people can re react that fast. And that's why mainly of my foreign uh, entrepreneurs' friends here in China, they are fine because we learned from the, the environment and, and from the China ecosystem that we need to, to, to have this adaptability because if you don't have it, if you don't waste your time on thinking too much mm -hmm. and not trying out before okay, optimizing everything, you won't be successful and your business can disappear. So, so that's the thing. I would say, again, switch the mindset and be faster in your adaptability, stop to overthink. There is no time for overthinking. Mm. Take three days, okay, to, to make your plan and you execute on the next week. That's it. That's the way we did it. And that's the way uh, I can say, like we overcome the, the crisis. Yeah. 
And I mean, the thing I think about small business or the, the small entrepreneur is that he's much more nimble than these large businesses. They have a lot of trouble moving and changing direction. Um, and because of the amount of workforce and everything has got to subscribe to that direction change. And so a lot of those bigger businesses will make small, subtle changes along the way and it'll take a long time to do it. Whereas I always used to say with an entrepreneur, 80 to 90% of what goes wrong in your business is inside your own walls. Yeah. Most of the yeah. stuff happens is nothing to do with the external sources of what's going on it's all about what staff are doing or what you're doing or what needs to change and i think that's the the mindset that people forget it's not the external factors that usually affect a small business all the internal stuff that kills yeah. you yeah. Little tiny cuts of things that happen every day that's what gets you in the end yeah mm. Well, um, I think it's a good time to kind of um, look at what you do in terms of the LinkedIn stuff and talk a little bit about that because I know you talked a little bit about having a mastermind and stuff like that. So tell us a little bit about what your business is, you know, what, what the LinkedIn business does and, and if anybody wants to talk to you, how do they get in touch with you and that sort of stuff. We'll put, a, you know, we'll put um, some uh, tag stuff down the bottom of the podcast so people can find you. Um, but for the interest of people on audio, um, you know, how, what, what are you, what's your main your market and, you know, how do they get in touch with you if they want to talk to you further? Yeah, definitely. So we work mainly with Fortune 500 and the way we help them, it's by managing their LinkedIn advertising campaign. Uh, again, uh, the LinkedIn campaign management, meaning like we target the right people, that's term consumer. Uh, well, we, we, we save them time and because we have also the right processes to target the right people, make this lead more warm for them and to send them into the self funnel. And of course, we also do LinkedIn content uh, management. So we are specialized only on LinkedIn and that's the way we differentiate with the other agency. Um, first, they pretend to know everything or on all the social media platform. From my point of view, I think that's a lie. Um, I don't have this pretension because I know the different social media platform, they evolve too much. There is every time uh, algorithm change every three months. So that's our positioning. We decided to only serve the Fortune 500 and only through the platform linking on their activities. Um, so yeah, just giving a concrete example, how, how do we do that? We take over the account of the employee. Uh, one of the campaigns so far we, we launched, uh, the most successful, was for a Fortune 500 that developed you know, this new kind of waterproof screen and retarget big corporation. Uh, yeah, waterproof screen for smartphone for being more specific. And we targeted, you know, um, product manager and vice president of uh, some big division of brands like Apple, Samsung. And yeah, this kind of deal is uh, really about a million of dollars. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we first create this initial connection and when they are warm enough, like the, uh, the sales director are good to take them into the meeting. So yeah, we save time and uh, and we build, if I can say, um, or, um, the digital real estate of this company. Because when you invest on a social media platform, that's what I call a real estate, um, mm -hmm. but digitally. Yeah. So that's what that's funny. It's actually interesting. A few years ago, I was at a conference and they were talking about domain names and websites being assets. 
And and back then, you know, even ten years ago, even five years ago, you know, people didn't think about them as assets, right? They were just yeah. websites and domains. But reality nowadays is probably more valuable than your bricks and mortar. <laughs> I mean, Uber's app would have to be worth more than what Uber's head office is worth, right? It, it is because uh, again, uh, on social media, it's a battle for the attention. When you know, according to a, a survey of Microsoft in two thousand eighteen, human only have eight seconds of uh, attention mm. compared to goldfields that are, has actually nine seconds of attention. So, of course, if you're going to spend the cost of advertising really increased too much, the ROI is very low. So that's why it's definitely important to build an audience and to create this real estate digitally because that's on you. If you don't have an audience, you don't have a business mm. and i think that would be the conclusion uh, um, of the show and yeah if you want to connect with me welcome to add me on linkedin julien sicard and if you want to check it out our our website genusensel.agency and we have a lot of free content a lot of blog posts again i know when it's free people don't take don't take it very seriously but mm. uh, if you don't have the money to uh, again offer our services that's definitely the blog where you're going to find the answer. Well, sometimes just a little tiny tip sometimes works, right? You just look at something, I didn't think of that, and suddenly it blows up. So I think sometimes going on an expert's website and just reading their blogs, is they, they'll usually reveal some stuff they probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> it's probably some internal yeah. stuff they kind of did. So sometimes it's, it's worthwhile reading some of those blogs. I find them quite interesting sometimes. I'll go to a, like a, a website where they're sort of selling a service I have no intention of necessarily buying, but when you read some of their blogs, you know, there's some great ideas in there. So... Yeah, I, re I reckon yeah. it's worth a show. So really appreciate your time, Julian, coming along and, and having a chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you very much, John. Hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, definitely. We keep in touch, and thanks for everyone for listening. All right, thanks Good for your time. input and insights. Thanks a lot.